someone wrote a comment on my YouTube channel saying, your channel is what the internet is meant for. You've got to get into that space of what what would you like to provide in this space? Because all we see are people arguing, fighting, causing intentional drama online. You're a piece of the puzzle. So, you know, embrace your piece and and make sure you are putting out the best damn content possible that you can that's going to contribute to the health and sanity of humanity. All right, we are live. For those of you in the Freedom Circle, you get exclusive access to the taping of this podcast. That's one of the many perks people in the Freedom Circle get. We did this also in January with Dr. Joe Vitale. Now we're doing it today with Jason Gregory. Now, Jason is uh, someone that I happened upon. I, I, I There was a blog post and I was really... Uh, looking to learn more about how to apply, and, and we could talk about it more today, the principle of Uwe, effortless action into my life. And I read a blog post that linked to Jason. Uh, this was in September of 2020. Next thing you know, I was reading all Jason's books. Next thing you know, I scheduled a, uh, a session with Jason. We've become friends. He was on the podcast last year. I have read all his books. I've read two of his books twice. Uh, but Jason is currently in Australia. He's an author and philosopher specializing in Eastern and Western philosophy, comparative religion, psychology, cognitive science, metaphysics, and ancient cultures. He's the author of some incredible books. We're going to link to all these in the show notes, including Emotional Intuition for Peak Performance, Effortless Living, Fasting the Mind, Enlightenment Now, the Science of, and Practice of Humility, his newest book, which is Spiritual Freedom in the Digital Age, which is out as of, I believe, today or tomorrow. I just got an update that they're, they, they uh, shortened the shipping or moved it up. So I'm going to get the hard copy of your book here sooner. And a book that he never, he never really advertises, but I found it. It's one of my favorite books called The Way of the Weirdo. He also yep. is a documentary filmmaker of The Art of Effortless Living and its sequel. Effortless Action, The Art of Spontaneity, as well as The Yugas, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, The Great Time Cycles of the Universe. He's lived in Asia for many years. Uh, he's been kind of trapped in Australia as we deal with the whatever the moronic bullshit going on in the world today. Uh, but he was in Asia studying the spiritual traditions and meditative practices of Buddhism, Hinduism, and Taoism, visiting some of the most remote places in the world with that Jason, welcome to the Freedom Media Network. Thank you for having me back on, Kurt. Lovely intro. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wrote it. It's off your website. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving myself kudos there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, no, thank, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you um, uh, for coming on, on the program again. And, and um, you know, over the last few years, thanks in, in large part to your writing, you know, I, I wrote a book in 2019 called Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. Mm. And in there, I used the word fight a lot. And I was on a podcast in, um, actually, I just got an email that it's airing, but they recorded it uh, last year. And they said, you know, going back to your book, is there anything you would change? And th the number one thing I said I would change is anywhere I use the word fight, I would switch it out with the word allow. And in this culture, and prob some of it is, is, is the digital culture hmm. where everything is hustle, grind, force, 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 force some more. It's, it's this fear and anxiety out of the cortisol because we're supposed to wake up, have our 16 cups of coffee, go for it. Coffee's for closers and push, push, push. 
And thanks to you, you know, and your writings. And also, I think you introduced me uh, through your writings to Stuart Wilde, perhaps, if not, yep. if not, yep. uh, uh, correct yep. me. Um, and we just did in the Freedom Circle, we did a workshop about his book, Life Was Never Meant to Be a Struggle. Yeah. And it's funny that I can say a lot of things that trigger people and piss them off. But one of the, one of the things that pisses people off and they get really defensive of, if, if I say you don't have to struggle, or if I say, just allow more. And, and maybe, I don't know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Why do you think that people feel they need to struggle and force and meet force with force wherever they are? Mm. That's an interesting question. I remember uh, recently Sadhguru said, uh, it, for those who don't know him, he's, he's, a, he's a, a, a Hindu guru in India. He said, uh, suffering is fashionable. And I don't think it's always been fashionable. I don't think we, we've always been geared towards, you know, struggle and we need to fight to survive. We need to force our opinions on other people. But I think it's become a way, possibly in part due to, you know, having access to, you know, especially with digital media, right? Like we, there's a lot of different opinions floating around that we, it's a completely different ecosystem. We've never had that ever. In, in the history of mankind, right? There's always been, you know, I knew you locally in the community. I knew, okay, that's that's how Kurt thinks and and so forth and so on. It didn't really bother me on a very visceral level, but people are getting online and they're seeing a lot of people with vastly different opinions and, and viewpoints of the world. And then you have this big clash of cultures and it's, you know, people don't have the foresight to think that, you know, People just think differently. You know, maybe I need to grow up and accept that fact instead of forcing, forcing my opinion on someone else mm. or, you know, forcing my worldview upon on someone else. So we're, we're so insecure in some sense, aren't we? Because we want people to, we want everyone to think the same way that, as we do. And it's kind of an evolutionary problem because during evolution, it was smart if we all thought the same in, in a group sense because then. You know, we could all protect each other. We all had the same viewpoints. Say if we were Christians, we were all Christians, right? That protected us in some sense because we all thought the same. We had the same belief system. But then as soon as someone comes from the outside and has a different viewpoint, then we will ostracize them or possibly back in that day, we might kill them or something like that. Right. But um, there's always this constant threat. Well, people believe there's this constant threat in their mind of... Uh, the threat of someone thinking differently, which exposes their own belief system, exposes their own ideology. And, you know, particularly from a Taoist perspective, ideology in some sense is the problem. So mm. you, you, you should sort of, in some sense, transcend ideological thinking. And we turn everything into an ideology, right? We turn our diet into an ideology. We turn our political beliefs into an ideology, your religion into an ideology. And then we have this radicalized way of thinking about even out, say, even for example, our diet. I'm right? like, you find this within the vegan movement, for example. People can be very, you know, like a Nazi about their diet. Uh, they've become a fascist in their diet, but it's just yeah. it, it, it's the human mind has this tendency to think ideologically. Like we we gather these beliefs about ourselves, and we think that's who we are, but it's not really who we are. Right? It's, it, it's a belief system. And I know this is kind of going a bit away from your original question, but. Uh, we, we, you have that belief system then, and then we try to force that upon the world. So the world is pure and free as it is. Uh, but then we go, well, look, I need to shape it in my image. 
Yeah. Uh, because if I shape it in my image, I feel some secure. And, you know, that, that ensures my, my safety going forward. And so it's, it's, it, a lot of it's ingrained in evolutionary psychology. And, and you know, the, the problem is in this day and age is we don't have a lot of those problems we had on the savannah in Africa. We don't have to, you and I aren't sprinting up a tree running away from a line. The line these days is someone's different ideological beliefs that conflict mm. with their own. And so then we, we're kind of reacting the same way to it. But, you know, we're, we're an intelligent creature, but we're not acting intelligently about those situations. We're just, we're still reacting the same way we did on the savannah back, you know, millions of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Uh, and we don't have to, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, and it's, it's, it's tribalism mixed with identity. Uh, our tribes become our identity. Uh, you know, we, we create, and I, I'd like to talk a little bit about illusion uh, a little later, but you know, mm. whether it's I'm identifying now as pronouns because I feel safer because uh, I'm now in this pronoun tribe, but you can do it. You mentioned veganism and, and, and here in Sedona, there are people who will rip your head off yep. if they find out you eat meat and it's turned into a religion based on dogma versus like, I'm mostly carnivore based on 12 years of trying it out. And when we talk about religion no. sorry to point oh, stop you yeah. there okay? yeah and you look perfectly healthy being a carnivore right it suits it suits you you're healthy you're fit so this is where people need to make a distinction between yeah. reality and their ideology so yeah. so okay carnivore being a carnivore works for kurt leave it at that there's not nothing more to add on to that and, yeah. you know, if, if you're a vegan, be confident in being a vegan yourself, but you don't have to try and get other people to be vegan unless you turn it into an ideology and then you cause conflict with someone else. And this is, to back to your original point, why you start to force other people to think the same way as we, as we do, you know, so. Well, and, 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 and I love it, be, you know, we homeschool our kids and the number one question we get, there's two, there's two things that people say when they find out we homeschool. And I, and I can predict it, unless it's another homeschooler or someone who has an open mind and is a bit awake. Hmm. They, two things. The number one thing is usually, well, what about the socialization? And number two, they say, well, I, I knew some homeschoolers growing up. And I said, don't tell me they were weird. Yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, because everyone says that. But that socialization part, you know, they're like, well, what about the socialization? And I've just come to say, yeah, exactly. That's it, period. <laughs> because that socialization becomes everything has become what you talk about. And I think in, in what you write about in the book is this, like you said, it's, it's part of our evolution. It's part of our, our human evolution and, and safety and security. But now it's spread to everything. Oh my gosh. If you don't put the Ukrainian flag on your social media, you are pro Putin. You know, this and that. It's, it's like veganism. It's every, it's everything, right? And, mm -mm. and it's, we talked about this in the last podcast episode and it's, and it's a theme through every single one of your books. It's the, this and the, that, and the good and the bad and the good versus evil. Anytime now you hear the good. And I used to be part, I used to work in Republican politics. I was on team war. I remember sitting in my office on Capitol Hill cheering when we bombed Iraq. Mm. And I look back on that. And I'm like, you were just part of, you, you were swept up in the programming. 
And, yep. and you see it now, people with clear agendas want you to think that agenda, and you can't just be pro-Ukraine, you have to be anti-something. That's what you said, yep. that's what I was told. You can't just be not racist, you have to be anti-racist. You can't just be mm. this, you have to take a side. And mm. like you said, it's part of our evolution, but now it's 24-7, and if you have news on the background all the time, if you're constantly mm. staring at your computer, you can't get away, and then you become afraid that, oh my gosh, they all added pronouns. If I don't add pronouns, I'm not part of the team, and someone's going to make fun of me, And you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's got ridiculous, hasn't it? It's, I've had two experiences since, the, since Russia invaded Ukraine, right? I, I, I sent, I've put a heartfelt message out when it began. Uh, and it was in tandem with uh, Mahashivaratri in, in India, you know, just sending prayers and, you know, support for for everyone in that area. Mm. And someone wrote to me and said, oh, why is it important for to support them when there's always been wars in Afghanistan and Syria and, and this and that? And, you know, the interesting thing is, like, I, I wrote to that individual and I said, first of all, you're judging that I haven't supported Right. At the, you know, like, so you're, you're basing it on one post. You don't even know me personally. And if you go back into the archives, you'll see that I lived in Syria in 2009. Uh, I, I've supported, you know, the, I mean, you know, the war, I haven't supported, I mean, the wars obviously in the Middle East and, and Afghanistan. Who would support war in their right mind, right? So, and, and, and that's the way that this kind of digital behavior, I think it's, it's amplified through digital technology, Kurt, because you're amplifying this, this, un, it's, it's a new digital behavior where people see something on fake, they'll see something first and then they think that they'll judge their whole, that whole character or that whole person based on one thing that they've seen of that person. There's no nuance. We've cut out nuance on digital technology altogether. And, and, you know, the second, uh, experience I had was actually just the other day, I put out a video, uh, life is playful, not serious. Uh, so like the Eastern perspective of how life is played, like a very way sort of way of living, you know, like enjoy yourself. And I mean, it's a lot deeper than that. And this lady came on and, and commented in the comments and said, ask the Ukrainians how playful it is. And it's, and, and like you were saying, like it's everything with the especially with digital technology, if you're not up to speed with what's kosher in the digital space, you'll be ostracized or canceled or bullied. And it's such a ridiculous way of thinking. So, so for example, because there is the war in Ukraine, everything else should stop and we should all focus on that. And, right. and we should have our flag on our, on our silly social media account, you know, to show our support, like putting a flag on uh, our uh, profile picture is giving the Ukrainian support. It's not really. If you want to give the Ukrainian support, donate to them somehow. And you don't have to go and post that you donated some money to them or so this and that. Just do it out of the kindness of your heart. You know, I remember uh, when my father was alive and uh, the tsunamis happened in in yeah. Indonesia and, and, and my dad is very, you know, he was just a meat and potato, not meat and potato sort of guy, but he, he, he never sort of wanted any sort of like adulation or anything like that. And then I remember seeing a, uh, a bank statement and he dropped like, you know, thousands of dollars on, you know, the, the relief efforts for the, in Indonesia and Thailand and, and, and these places, but never said anything about it. Didn't want kudos, didn't want a pat on the back, didn't need to put a flag on his, 
profile picture. I mean, if he was alive now, he would fall off his chair if he saw social media. But, you know, so, and it's such a shallow culture when we, when we design our culture like that. So, you know, you putting a flag on your thing, supporting them. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm anti-war. I mean, I, I don't, who would agree with war? Like war doesn't really resolve anything. Obviously, uh, intelligent discourse would have been the best course of action. But, you know, some, you know, because of the socialization and the conditioning, the identity, you need to ask the question, what motivates someone like Putin then? And, and what motivates also you to go on out, to go out and uh, call out people for not following a certain line of thinking? It's the same, actually. The seed is the same. It's identity. It's the belief in your identity. And you're trying to force that agenda and perspective on other people. Sure, you know, Putin's obviously, you know, he's a, probably, we could say, a genocidal maniac, but this, the silver seed is the same. You, like you said, if someone goes around and says, why aren't you using pronouns and this and that, it's like, well, English language, just, it, I just use it like I, in the same sense as I, I drive a car. It's a vehicle to, you know, uh, it, has, it has a public utility. I don't need to highlight aspects of that language to say right. to, to to virtue signal and say, look, this is how it is, and so forth and so on. To me, that would be like, you know, putting the the the, the stick shift behind your seat. You know, like what's the point that you can't drive the car properly like that? So I don't really understand a lot of that line of thinking. I just think people in the modern day, uh, especially in the first world, they don't have anything to do, so they just make up things to get angry about. They over-exaggerate about a lot of things because if you go to the third world, and I've lived in the third world a lot, and I've mentioned these sorts of situations in places like Nepal and and, uh, Myanmar and India and and these sorts of places and Laos, and they just think Westerners are crazy. They're like, what what are you guys talking about? What's the big deal about pronouns? Isn't it just a part of language and you just use it as a tool? Like, right. why do you have to go and highlight that? And, you know, there's many things that they, that, that they get confused about. And that's why I just say to them, try not to focus too much on the Western culture. <laughs> well, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, there's a big theme, certainly in Taoism, but gosh, you know, I, I, I was going to say Eastern philosophy, but if you actually read the Bible, the way, if you, if you actually take the, the human translations and the rules and the regulations and dogma out and you actually read the Bible, yep. you realize that Jesus, the Buddha, Lao Tzu, they were all saying the same exact thing. Yeah, and yeah, our programming yeah. makes us say, no, they're on the other team, right? But that, that, we could talk about that later. Yep. But there's a common theme of yielding, mm. taking a step back. Yep. It doesn't make you weak. Now, we're made to think that, oh, that makes you weak. No, it doesn't make you weak. You, by yielding, you can see the whole playing field. You can see the whole battlefield. When you yep. do that and you unplug from the matrix of programming, oh, I got the news on in the background, and you think it's fine, but it's like, it's like the matrix is plugged in the back of your head. You don't even know it. Mm. You start to be more aware and you see things like, you can see clearly, listen, there's nothing wrong with putting a Ukrainian flag on your social media post, but step back and start noticing things. For instance, hmm. why is it that the same people who will refuse to talk about Hong Kong and the crackdown on protesters, who don't even know what a Uyghur is, the Muslims who are being systematically murdered and used for human organ harvesting by the Chinese, this is happening. 
They don't even know who that is. Suddenly, our world foreign policy experts on Ukraine, and they can't even pick it down on a map. When you yield and you look back, you see the agenda, right? Mm -hmm. Russia doesn't buy our shit. Therefore, it's okay to be anti-Russian, not just mm -hmm. anti-Putin, but it's okay to shut off their credit cards. I have a client that I've spoken to, to their institute. They shut off accreditation, financial accreditation for Russians, 23-year-old who are uh, unlucky enough to be born Russia. They're going to penalize them now. Like, I remember in after 9-11, there was a big movement, don't penalize all Muslims for the act of a few terrorists. I agree. Uh, during COVID, don't penalize a few Asians for the actions of China. I agree. And yet now suddenly it's okay to penalize the Russian people yep. for the acts of their president. Now, you may think that's good, you may think that's bad. However, when you're able to yield and unplug from the bullshit, you can see it. You can see the agenda and the, mm. all right, everyone wants you to be over here. All right, so mm. everyone turns their heads. When mm. you sit back and you look at that, you can clearly see it. You can be more aware. I'm sure you and I can get caught up in things too. But at yeah. least you catch yourself as a third-party observer saying, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I got to unplug. I got to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I always use the example. Yeah, I've used it in a few lectures. Actually, I use it in a couple of lectures actually in the U.S. Because particularly in the U.S., you know, people are, let's just say, politically focused. And so I always say, I know that you're focused on all of these problems and you think that I should also be focused on all of these problems as well. But the use of media, uh, of accessible media, is, is a recently new phenomenon. So, for example, if we take away accessible media, most of us don't even know that the, the war in Ukraine is happening. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're bad people for not knowing that that war is going on. Because the wars have happened all throughout history, but most people around the world never knew that they were even happening. Right. You, you know what I mean? So, these, in this day and age, particularly because of uh, digital technology, like you said, we all need to look this way because that's what's in vogue at that point in mm -hmm. time. As you said, like how subtle that narrative is, you know, particularly in America where people are kind of geared to be anti-Russian, you know, going all the way back into the Cold War. And so, so everyone's okay to be anti-Russian, like you said. And Russian people are great. You know what I mean? Russian people are wonderful. It, we should not be anti-Russian. Like that's that's a that's a really ridiculous message. Like you said, when you can step back and your mind is not involved or invested in this or that, you can see the whole narrative play out with with clear eyes, and you're not your head's not you're not pushing your own head into the toilet and hitting the flush button. You know what I mean? Like getting caught up in it. And, and there's so, people who there's people who would listen to this discussion. Yep. And this is happening right now, and yep. say, "Well, Kurt's a traitor." This is happening. Mm -hmm. Tulsi Gabbard, yep. a former congresswoman who ran for president, mm -hmm. she said some of the same stuff we're saying now, and people said she's a traitor. If that is your reflexive reaction, I think mm -hmm. you need to step back and ask yourself, wait a second, wait a second, what am I doing? It's like, it's like someone's got their finger up your nose and pulling you mm -hmm. without you even knowing it. You, you become this, uh, this aut automaton who's not even fully in control of your mind. And I, mm -hmm. I see it... This is we're talking Ukraine right now at a big level, but you see it going all the way down to even small little beliefs that you may think about how you have to live your day, live your life, your career, raise your children, whatever it is. Yeah, it's especially yeah with digital technology, it's so predictable. Like if you look at 
we had COVID, 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 right? For almost two years or two years. And then next one, straight to Putin. It went straight. I, I saw a meme online where uh, uh, Putin had like this magician's hat on, like someone obviously pasted it or put, yeah, photoshopped it on there. And he, the meme said, COVID, COVID just gone, just like that. You know, it's because we're all focusing on Putin now, you know, and it's like you said, automatons, right? Like we're, we're just, we're being driven by whatever the narrative is. And this, this stems into like, I don't know if you've seen that film, Idiocracy, you know, like it's, you're getting closer and closer and closer to that sort of reality where you have the moral flavors of the time. And if you're not in sync with the moral flavors of the time, you're an outcast. You should be bullied. You should be ostracized. And I grew up in a culture. I grew up at a time, and I, because you and I are similar age, where there was a focus on anti-bullying. On so this concept, this concept of canceling would have never ever ex- existed because cancel culture really is bully culture, right? Like yeah. in reality, like they're just not using the word. It's cl- it's clever marketing. So uh, you know, I grew up in a time anti-bullying. You know, we ought to respect everyone's beliefs. You know. And, and just get on with life. You know, you mentioned Tulsi Gabbard, like she's a, she's a Hindu, right? She comes from, her name's Tulsi, right? So she's, she's comes from a Hindu family. And a good example is she uh, supported the Hindu rights in India. And because that's not in vogue with the mob, hmm. she was canceled, you know, she was bullied and, and then she was instantly out of the, well, that wasn't the reason that, uh, well, probably was part of the reason she was out of the race uh, in, in during the elections and that. But, you know, so she wasn't in vogue with the moral flavors of the time. And it's just, it's, it's so yeah, ridiculous. Have, haven't you even said, by the way, that some of your YouTube videos have been either demonetized yep. or ramped down because of some of your videos deal with Hinduism? Yep, yep. They, they actually sent me one directly, like I had a video on Shiva. And they demonetized it, and I asked them why, and they said, "Well, we don't support Hinduism." It's like that's an interesting, you know, phrasing to 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 say. Like, I mean, because maybe they do say it to Christianity too. I don't know because I'm I'm not Christian, so I don't sort of delve in that. I don't walk in that field. But um, I think that they, you know, the tech companies themselves have their own moral flavors, right? And I think religion in general is mm-hmm. not. Is not part of that. Maybe Buddhism, maybe because Buddhism can, you know, can be kind of tempered a little bit, but like particularly Hinduism, they really hate it because uh, I think that the, the see the the uh, particularly the American worldview is you know always support minorities and the majority of people are always wrong and you know they're racist or you know there's all of this you know ridiculous narrative. But in India, it, it, that kind of way of thinking is circumvented because. India is a civilizational state. It's not a secular state. Mm-hmm. It's a civilized because Bharat is a culture and it's the longest enduring culture. So you have this majority Hindus, which is like 1.1 billion people. And then you have the other 200 million people in India that are uh, mainly Muslim. And then there's some Christians and, and, and Jains and Buddhists. Uh, so, you know, the whole, the politics in India and this and that is reflected through Hinduism. So it's, it's a different kind of idea of secularism than to the West. So obviously that uh, is at odds with the way the West think, in particular tech companies think. So that's why they really target Hinduism like that. And that's why Tulsi was targeted as well, because 
instantly if she says anything positive about Hinduism, she's ter- she's classed as a Hindu nationalist, hmm. you know, in air quotes, whatever that means, and and classed as a right winger, and 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 you know, left and right wing politics is a, is a Western phenomenon. It's not a it's not a Hindu thing. Um, so, but but again. Uh, Going back to your point, it's it's just the turning of the head. Like so, easily you're allowed to turn the head that way and point the finger at at Modi and and Hindu nationalists and air quotes as right wingers because that's what's accepted in this day and age. Maybe it'll change in five years' time from now because that's what happens. The moral flavors change, and and if you're not in sync with those moral flavors, then you're out of <clears throat> you're, you're you're out of accord with the the mob. Uh, mm-hmm. But as you're alluding to, when you get back to you know not this or that you can just see it for what it is you don't have to you know follow i remember a teacher in india once back in the day when i was uh when i was pretty green to a a vedanta and he used the actual the the windscreen wiper analogy he said when you drive a car and you turn the windscreen wiper on are you like are you moving your head like this watching the windscreen wiper or are you looking at the road and he said focus on the road stop letting your head move here and there based on whatever the world wants you to focus on so yeah yeah by the way i just i just want to say that um and and for those of you listening to the podcast what i'm about to say is to the members of our freedom circle if you go to freedommedianetwork.com look in the freedom academy you can learn all about the freedom circle we have some members joining us today it's one of the benefits they get they can join live podcast tapings Uh, we have a number of members now Jump in if you are watching this live and give us a thumbs up, say hello. So I know you're here and the members of the Freedom Circle who are watching this live, guess what? Surprise, surprise. I'm sending you all copies of Spiritual Freedom in the Digital Age. We're going to grab those. If you already bought it in 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 in, uh, in anticipation of that, let me know and I'll get you another one of Jason's books either way, but, but it's a Thank wonderful you, book. Now, talking about religions, you know, we talk about religion. Your book is Spiritual Freedom. I'd love for you to define the word spiritual, what it means to you, Mm. because it's interesting. When I talk about meditation, Mm. just about meditation, there are people who say, well, I'm Christian, uh, so I'm not into that. Mm. Or, you know, when we talk about spiritual or spirituality, they they equal they they put it as equal to religion. Mm-hmm. Are you spiritual? Yes, I'm Catholic. Are you spiritual? Yes, I'm Hindu. Or or you know people. And I I was raised Catholic and always taught Buddhism is a religion because that's the programming. And if you ask Buddha, he'd say no, no, it's not a religion. <laughs> so how do you define, especially in the context of of your book, mm. you say spiritual freedom? How do you define spiritual? Interesting question. Uh, yeah. I, I come from, you know, America, Australia is the same, right? You mentioned spiritual, or you mentioned spirituality. I'll say, okay, I'm, I'm Catholic, I'm Christian, I'm Muslim. And it's like, yep, okay. Uh, that's, and I don't want to go down the path of the new age where, you know, the new age spirituality is kind of like, I'm spiritual, not religious. Now, uh, just because you are part of a religion doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Now, what I mean by that is spirituality in the truest context is taking the inner path focusing on yourself, getting rid of a lot of the tendencies that you've accumulated through socialization. Like this is what real spirituality is. And like we, we find this in actually 
the Abrahamic religions, right? You have the Christian mystics, particularly in in Europe. And and so they they took on the inner path. They had a life where they kind of renounced the world, so to speak. They went up into the like the Italian Alps, for example, and and were not part of the world and they focused on well the words of Christ and 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 meditating in that sense and contemplation. And so spirituality is well from the way i see it and the way it's been ex- well the way it's been sort of explained to me through the eastern traditions is it's taking the inner journey it's uh, doesn't mean you ignore what's going on in the outside world it means that once you're focused on yourself you can function in the world a lot better so mm-hmm. you know we need people like you know everything we've been mentioning earlier in the the podcast of people you know barking here and there we don't need more people like that right we need people focusing more on their why they are this way why why am i so emotional why am i invested in this uh, way of thinking uh, why am i unhealthy you know why am, why is my psychology not together why is my tongue not straight you know a lot of things where you know, because particularly in this day and age, you've got so much distraction in the world vying for your attention, and people end up being psychologically like a mashed potato. They don't really have, you know, it's not a, they don't have a solid grounding in the world. So, spirituality allows you when you take the inner path and you meditate, you focus on yourself. Maybe you also take care of your the way you eat. Uh, mm. The way, and you start to focus on the way you think. What you'll notice is that in the external world, things will begin to change. Maybe that friend that was toxic that you were constantly bumped into or, or hung around, they'll slowly exit your life, and you know things of this mm. nature. And maybe uh, the politics that you are attracted to, you stop even focusing on politics altogether, and you're focusing more on yourself, and and. And focusing on yourself, you know that that can actually help the world. Uh, and it's piece by piece, I always say, right? Like it's not that, uh, particularly in New Age, a lot of people say, well, if I change myself, the whole, everything is going to change. And it's like, well, sort of. It's, it's piece by piece. And, you know, it's a work in progress for all of us. But what I've really loved, particularly since the counterculture movement, when the introduction of Eastern, the Eastern traditions came to the West, is that you see this real renaissance in the West with the Eastern traditions where a lot of people are focused on themselves. That, like, you live in Sedona, Kurt, like, that in Sedona, a lot of the things are based on Eastern spirituality. Maybe there can be a bit wacky in some parts parts of Sedona, but they're they're initially based on Eastern spirituality, right? Like, you'll find people talking about chakras and, uh, you know, energy and this and that. It's like, well, they're doing it maybe in an exaggerated manner, but... Uh, it's all based on the same thing, and and I guess that you could say that the uh, it at least they're focused on something internally instead of trying to move the chess pieces around in the external world. Instead, trying to we should be trying to organize the chess pieces within our mind, mm. you know. So, and that's really what spirituality is to me. It's, it's taking that internal path. What I call and actually I call in uh, the science and practice of humility the great work of eternity. Mm. Uh, which is yeah. what we all need to kind of, especially in a spiritual perspective, we need to engage in. And that, that doesn't, you don't, doesn't mean you, you don't have to be Christian or this and that. You can still be Christian and engage in the great work of eternity. You know, if you're brought up in a Christian culture and that's, that's what feels good for you externally, then that's, that's perfectly fine, right? But 
as with the Christian mystics, they focused a lot more on what's going on within themselves because they understood that God is not some sort of external phenomenon and definitely not some sort of being that's lording it over you. You're part right. of something like you know, you're part of something much greater than that. Actually, yeah, and if, you, and if, if you actually read the gospel, that's exactly what Jesus was saying. And the people who only focus on the rules and the regulations, the Pharisees, mm. he made fun of. Yep. And it's like people forget about that. And, yep. you know, I grew up Catholic. I was the only one probably in my Catholic high school who's read the Bible five times cover to cover. <laughs> and I've read the Aramaic translation of the Bible to find out mm. what it was actually like before a lot of the humans got in there and changed it up. And so yeah. there's that, no... But that goes to, it sort of goes to what we were saying between spirituality and also what we would term organized religion, right? Organized religion then becomes uh, kind of a political philosophy uh, where you have, like you said, the humans interfering with the original teachings to benefit possibly the time that they were living in. Uh, you know, because religion was much more a part of politics and, and uh, society back especially a couple of thousand years ago than it is today. And so, you know, over thousands of years, you see a warping of actually every tradition. Like I've studied the history of Buddhism extensively. And if you go from the words of the Buddha in early Buddhism, the Theravada tradition, and you go all the way through Mahayana Buddhism, isn't that, I mean, not that it's unrecognizable, the core tenets are still there, but you've got so much uh, added to the actual teachings of the Buddha and so then it becomes difficult to know, you know, what were the original teachings actually. Right. So you've got to be pointed in the right direction to learn that. And that's a part of the difference, right? Like, so Jesus' message was a spiritual message. As you said in the gospel, like, he's not making a distinction where there's this Lord being, uh, you know, this being lording over us. But then Christianity took on what Darius I in Babylon uh was famous for was the king of kings tradition so you turn the religion into a political analogy where you turn god into a political analogy where it's lording it over you and then people are easy to control you know right. a yogi a yogi is not easy to control right yogi's going from city to city and just living life and you know <laughs> shanti he's peaceful you know but you can't get him to take a nine to five job so he's not beneficial to the economy and and, and it replays out right i mean you look yep. at why was Jesus killed? He wasn't easy to control. And so some people want to do the same thing. And in the name of Jesus, they killed scientists. They, right? I mean, and so it repeats itself. And then we yep. get into this tribalism and it's a Team Jersey thing and there's no right or wrong. I mean, I was raised Catholic by tolerant Catholics. And yet we would drive by the evangelical church and my dad would laugh and call it showtime. You know, um, <laughs> when, when we decided to move away from the church, and, and I have nothing against anything. Yeah. You know, my mom, who was always very tolerant and always brag, hey, we're having an interfaith session with Muslims. And I, great, great, great. She would mm. always kind of signal that, mm. said, oh, just please tell me those children are going to be Christian. It was almost like all of a sudden the tolerance was out the window and anything else mm. was bad. Mm. And, and so it, it's what you talk about. Now, spiritual freedom and the digital age, how does our constant addiction, and you use the word addiction throughout your book, how does our constant addiction, and you know, I had a client who two weeks ago, I may have stopped him, I don't know, um, his doctor said, well, you have ADHD, so you got to go on this drug. And I said, well, have you tried some other non-pharmaceutical things? Well, like what? Well, let's go through your day. 
Well, he would go to bed after midnight. He would set his alarm clock for 520, hit snooze for an hour. Once he woke up, he jumped right into his email, then went right into the shower and did this, and then would check email throughout the night. I suggested, well, you know, maybe you have a cluttered mind because you jump right into someone else's agenda first thing in the day. What if you tried to get to bed a little earlier and Mm -hmm. woke up at 520 and meditated? And then what if after five at night, it's, and you write about digital sunsetting, um, and actually, I don't think, I don't know if you write about this in this book, but you wrote about it in, uh, I think effortless, uh, effortless living. You write about digital sunsetting. You would have thought that I went up to an alcoholic and wrestled a bourbon bottle away <laughs> just about not checking your email. Yeah, I suggest yeah. to people, maybe they're watching if they're watching mm. good, mm. turn off the TV. Don't have it in the background. Yeah. Refusal to do it. Yep. And we forget that. Gosh, not even in 2000, we didn't have this. In 2008, we didn't have iPhones. And now suddenly over the last 12 or 13 years, we've mutated Hmm. to need this phone in front of us. Hmm. How does that get in the way of our spiritual freedom? Yeah, it's well, it is an addiction, right? Like we, we, it's been termed, uh, like if we look at chemical addictions and behavioral addictions, the, the the core of addiction is the same, you know. Like it's look, I'm not I'm not saying behavioral addictions are actually as detrimental as chemical addictions, right? Like you don't suffer withdrawals. Maybe some people like your friends suffer withdrawal. Yeah, I don't, I've seen it, you know. <laughs> you know. So uh, and look, I Kurt, I found this with myself. You know, to be honest, uh, I remember it was supposed to be three three years ago, and I was. Ironically, when I was starting to write this book, uh, and I would put the video up at night in, in Australia time, right? So I go to bed, and usually in the morning, I make sure I, I'm I'm practicing either uh, qigong, tai chi chuan, or hatha yoga, and meditate after that, and you know, uh, and then do whatever is important that day, like maybe continue writing. But then I noticed, and it had been because over years of uploading and and you know be in this ecosystem of social media, there was almost like this pressure in my head to see how the video was going, to see who commented. And I'm like, wow. And, and I noticed this and I was like, this is the start of pathological thinking, like of, of an addiction to something because you're, you're eager to see. And again, this comes back to positive reinforcement and social approval, right? Which are two core components of uh, how we get addicted, you know, because we need that dopamine hit we need to be, and then once you start playing that game, it's like, as, as I mentioned in the book, uh, Tristan, I forget his last name, the, the guy who worked for Facebook, it's like playing the slot machine right, where right, right. You, know, you put a post up, oh, who's going to see it? And and I was, get, I was having that feeling through uploading a video. And I was like, well, this has got to stop, you know, like, and then it's, it, again, you just need to reorient. Like what you said, if you take the bourbon bottle away from the addict, they can change their life, right? You need to transform things in your life, like things like digital sunset, you know, five or six, no more digital screens. Uh, maybe there'll be some days that, you know, you may need to use that if, if you're working and so forth and so on. But if you're going to do that, don't at least don't get on social media and start jibber-jabbing with someone else. Um, make sure you meditate, eat well, get, like as you mentioned, sleep is the, sleep hygiene is one of the big, 
biggest problems in our world because people are going to bed at like one in the morning, waking up at five, and they're wondering why they need 50 coffees to get rolling. And it's like you don't actually – the reason why you need so many coffees is because you're just tired. You know, you're, you're flat out. You're just tired. Like four hours sleep a day is – unless you're an animal like Elon Musk, it's not healthy for majority of people, right? Like yeah, I, and he doesn't look too healthy. <laughs> no, he doesn't. So you wouldn't want to – like I, I personally wouldn't want to look like Elon Musk, right? Like I wouldn't want to have – you know, I don't want – I don't wish anything upon Elon, but – a lot of people who live a life like that, you got they got to really start to take care of their heart because the heart is our engine. And and if you're going to burn yourself out, then usually the the stop is a full stop. And you don't get time to prepare for that. And so, you know, I'm like everyone else. I, I like to get my eight hours. I go to bed as early as like early po- as I possibly can because I like to wake up early uh, with the sun rising and everything like that. And so, it's easy to reorient and get back into it, but it's it's people have got to start you know realizing the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is the is the smartphone with with all of the social media platforms uh, apps in the phone you know i've had people who have taken the apps out and they barely look at their phone anymore yeah you know they'll you my know. client my client actually took all the social media stuff off his phone and he says it's changed his life over the last 2 years yep 100% before the before the pandemic, uh, for a few years, I had people on. Uh, I've I've done a few meditation retreats, uh, fasting mind meditation retreats, where you take the phone away, you take everything away, you just eat clean food, you get extensive sleep, you meditate, you focus on activating your parasympathetic nervous system, and 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 parasympathetic nervous system is is what we would say is rest and digest, as opposed to the sympathetic, which is what we're always accessing when we're online or we're active and. And, and, and for people, it's been transformative because they, they just haven't had the time to just stop their life. Mm-hmm. Like even on their holiday, they'll have their phone on. They'll be checking the, the likes and the, the retweets and, you know, they're still posting. I, I had an Indian gentleman that I met that came on a retreat and he was saying that on his honeymoon, he was still uploading YouTube videos. And so you know you're sort of in a bad place when you're on your honeymoon, you know, with the love of your life, and your focus is I got to get that next video out. I got to keep to the schedule. And it's like, well, look, if you miss one week, I'm pretty sure no one's going to lose any sleep over it. You know, it's um, yeah, you know, and I want to go back quickly, and then I have another question related to you know, as you you're someone who, um, for what you do for work, earns money. Mm-hmm. using these digital tools. So I'd love to talk, you know, it's not, it, yep. it, there's some concrete ways and some realistic ways that that you use it and have taken control of it rather than it controlling you. But one thing that you mentioned, you know, I come from a family of addicts, people who have completely destroyed their lives and almost died due to addiction. And so I say this not as someone who sells this, who takes this lightly. But you had said you kind of caught yourself and apologized or whatever, and, and people will get pissed at me for saying this. I don't know that these behavioral addictions are less worse or less bad mm-hmm. than the chemical addictions. Because especially, and this is really going to piss people off, I could tell you over the last two years, if people stare at the news and screens based on how hysterical they were about COVID, yeah. I could tell it. I could yeah. tell based on the, they, they had no idea. I trust the data, and yet they had no data. Now, they could regurgitate what some politician mm. said, but they didn't know the data. Like, mm. for instance, someone tried to debate me about something. I've read all the Pfizer clinical data. 
Okay, trust yep. the data. Here it is. And they're like, oh, wow. And mm -hmm. so I have seen people over the last two years, you know, entire civilizations completely destroy themselves based on social media. We've had pandemics before. Mm -hmm. In the 1960s, we had Hong Kong flu, which was deadly. Yep. And guess what we had? We had Woodstock. We went about our lives because we didn't have this, this con constant. You write about it in the book that our mind was not uh, the mind, the human mind has not evolved yet. It was not, you, you, actually, you write, I have you You said too much connectivity keeps our mind always moving. Our minds were not designed for this type of connectivity. We need to keep in mind that instant communication is not natural. And so we immediately get in something. It could be mm. Trump. It could be Biden telling us something. We have no idea if it's true, but now all, got, all of a sudden it becomes true. And oh my gosh, we got to shut down and I got to be scared and I got to be doing this. Meanwhile, we have 36 absolutely horrible lifestyle behaviors that could have killed us, that should have killed us five years before, but none of that mattered mm. until our chosen person and authority told us on social media or our Facebook friends, and now we're in a panic and we've had lockdowns that we, didn't, we know didn't work. We've had mm. some other things. People put people in things in their body. I've had relatives mm. die. Mm. We had all this shit going on based mm. on the behavioral addiction. I've mm. seen people who cannot get their head out of their ass to build their business because they are addicted. One guy hired me to teach him how to use LinkedIn to make money. Mm. He's got zero clients. He's got all the time in the world. I have no idea what the hell he does. Mm -hmm. He wants to be a copywriter. I could not get him five days in a row to write copy for himself. Mm. Why? Because he's in Canada and he was focused on Trudeau and what's going on. Now, I sympathize with that, mm. but how do you pay the rent? Like there comes a point where turn off the damn TV, turn off the screen and take care of your yep. family. Like, yep. and so I think it, this behavioral addiction is, you, you ever see the, I'm getting on a rant here, but you ever see the movie, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was 2008, Wally. -E. It was a Pixar movie about yep, yep, this. Yep, yeah, I, I have, yeah, right? I've seen, I've seen it. It yeah. was in 2008. And there's mm. this thing where uh, all the humans are now in a starship staring at screens and their mm. entire food is just brought to them and they suck it out of a, a milkshake. They're all round, okay? Mm. <laughs> and, and, and for anyone offended by that, it's like, okay, because media has programmed us to... Uh, I say this as someone who comes from an entirely obese family. I've had... The, I had... Growing up, I was fat. I had the shit beat out of me, right? Mm. So mm. I say this that obesity is not the same as the color of your skin. And that's what they've had us to believe. You cannot yeah. control it. It's like being born black or Asian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you see Wally from 2008, we're moving toward that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staring at a screen, sucking out of the milkshake, like not even knowing <laughs> that they, they don't even know that they can stand and walk. Yeah. And it's like, I go back to that. It's like, that was a documentary. Yeah, I have to watch that again. This, I, because I, I can barely. I remember that. That it, it's really it's poignant right now, isn't it? Yeah. And, and to speak to what you were saying, Kurt, like having behavioral addictions similar to chemical. If you look at the phone like a bottle, right? If you take that away from, you know, we we see this actually. I, I've seen families who give their son or their daughter a tablet, you know, as a as a young baby, and you take it away from them, and they go berserk. You know, they're so addicted to actually at that age, like at two or three, so addicted to the screen at that age. But I've seen it with adults too. You take their phone away, they feel lost. And I, I had a, uh, a friend who hit their phone, you know, went kaput. Like, and he's, he came to me, he's like, I understand what you mean now. I, I have a lot of clarity in my head. And it's like, yeah, because you're not constantly <laughs> engaged and connected 
to instant gratification through digital technology. You're you're actually hearing the birds again. You're, you're looking at the sun. You're seeing the clouds. You're noticing things about life, about yourself that are always there, but we're like Wally, right? We've got the straw in our mouth. As you said, we're getting around. And look, I don't, I, 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 one thing I don't understand in, you know, particularly in the West, is when people say you're fat shaming. You're not really fat shaming. Like, I don't think that we should make being obese a a thing that we should be proud of. Like, I've had relatives who have died young from being fat. Like, and I would prefer them to be alive if they took control of their life instead of like, instead of being, you know, looking at the TV or whatever and being engrossed with all of these things that aren't real life problems in their life. Like you said with your Canadian friend, he was so focused on Trudeau, he, he, he forgot about his family, didn't know they were there, didn't, he couldn't even make a business. People say to me, hey, Jason, how do you get through so many, you make a lot of content, you're making, you're writing books and this and that. It's like, well, I don't have a smartphone or I'm not engaged in a lot of things. If it's important, I will hear about it. You know, the, the Ukrainian war, I, I heard about it, obviously, you know, it's hard yeah. to ignore. COVID, you can't ignore. but what uh, someone's doing down the, I mean, what all of these other minor things in the news, like it's not something for me to really be engrossed in. And what can I really do about it? Like me knowing about it, like what can I do? Do you want me to go and get a gun and fight for the Ukrainians? Like, right, right. You know, yeah, like, are you going to do, if you're going to do that, at least you're taking action. Uh, yeah, you you take, know, it's like yeah. rather than saying, I mean, I saw people, there's one noted, he's a sales celebrity and he came on and said, uh, I hope you notice I've been silent on social media for the past week uh, out of reverence for Ukraine. I'm like, well, okay. Um, do you know who the Uyghurs are? Did yeah, you yeah, do yeah. that during the Rwandan genocide? And maybe he did, so I didn't post it like that person posted yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. But you can see like that mm. person obviously watches the news. But it's mm. the same when it comes to, you, you mentioned things like obesity, which is, oh my gosh, it's a third rail. We can't talk about this because you're fat shaming. Mm. Early on in uh, COVID, there was a story that came out. It was Reuters or AP hmm. about 75 plus percent of people in Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, who were dying or hospitalized from COVID were hmm. obese or morbidly obese. Yep. And there was an entire movement of woke dietitians who pushed back saying that story is fat shaming. Hmm. Well, I just looked at a statistic between 1998 and 2012 here in the U.S. The obesity rate, uh, rate went from 20%, I think it's to 30%. Now it's up over 40% here in the U.S. Mm. If we can't have a difficult discussion without someone saying, no, you're offending, you can't say that, people are going to continue to die. Yeah. And if we, if we keep, it, but it goes back to this digital bullying. It mm. goes back mm. to the, oh, well, they're offended, therefore I have to be offended by this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's we can't have difficult discussion. I said in March of 2020 to my wife, I said we are going to destroy the economy and cause long-term damage because of our inability to have difficult discussions in our society. Mm-hmm. There is no amount of data that has changed since March. People can claim mm-hmm. there is, but exactly what we did was our inability to have difficult discussions. If you can't talk about public health issues without saying you're shaming because of that person, we're not judging. We're having a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. It's an observation. It's also an observation, right? There's a difference between judging and observation. Like if you see someone is obese, they're obese. Like there's no two ways about it. You can't sugarcoat that. 
Yeah. And and this this is why no I try. Yeah, no, yeah, no fun intended. Uh, this is why you can't. Uh, in some sense, like I, I avoid like a plague American news or Australian news because if I look, for example, at say Indian news, right, like or or, or information uh, in India, there's no real uh, taboo India about those sorts of things, like. A lot of people died in India from COVID as well, and they did openly speak about people being fat. And so there was this whole movement in India to get fit, to get healthy. There was no uh, sort of dogma around it. And if you look at somewhere like Uttar Pradesh, who at uh, the state, one state in India, who took it even a step further and took, uh, you know, the the drugs that you're not supposed to for COVID, and then the state had very low rates of COVID. But but weren't, but we weren't allowed to speak about that in the West. What they were doing in Uttar Pradesh and, and Japan, and so you, you you create these false narratives that don't really exist because, as you said, the you have a few woke dietitians or scientists who just uh, uh, don't want to hurt someone's sensitive ears. When sometimes we actually need to hear something like that. You and I grew up in an age, Kurt, where it was okay to tell someone how it is straight up. And actually, I appreciate that. If someone tells me that I'm behaving like a peacock or, or you know, something like this, I would, I would appreciate that because then I can recalibrate and, and and check myself a little. You know, if I was getting a little heavy, I would expect my wife to say, "Hey, you know, better hit the treadmill, or you better, you know, get on that." Yeah, there's, and there's ways to do it, right? Without yeah, of course, judging yeah. or being mean, just about anything else. You know, it's like, and um, I'm not, and I'm not easily offended. You know yeah. what I mean? You can say things to me and I'll be like, okay, like maybe that's from having a YouTube channel too. You get all sorts of criticism. But that, but in general, I mean, you can say things to me and I won't be overly offended and, and, and I'll just recalibrate. And, and, if, and if it's actually honest, good feedback, I'll take it on board. And I think that people can't weed out what's honest feedback and, 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 and nonsense. They kind of clump them together and they think it's all nonsense. And it's like, well, no, it's not. Like, it's sometimes you got some critical feedback that's useful, and sometimes you've got stuff that you just don't need to listen to. It's just you can just dismiss that. Uh, but that's the kind of culture that we're we're developing. Uh, well, and, and we've we've messaged about this, but you'll you'll have to come back just based on the public publishing schedules and all that. Mm. You know, you the book is perfect for this era, especially coming out of the last two years. Mm. Um, but you wrote it. You didn't yeah. even write it during it. So you should write a sequel and, and talk also about when it comes to information, the gatekeepers of information, that there are only mm. chosen people. It, mm. it was kind of funny today. I noticed um, LinkedIn had a, uh, you know, like you said, you can't avoid certain news, but you don't have to pile on. But LinkedIn yeah. has this news. It's like the most depressing person writes this news. But it was that, uh, you know, Putin shut down Google in Russia. Mm. And I just had to laugh. And I'm like, oh, Google's getting a taste of its own medicine, yeah. you know, because Putin accused <laughs> yeah, of right. misinformation. Now I'm yeah. I'm laughing, not saying Putin is correct, no. but Google's been doing that for two years. So you'll you'll have to come back and and do a mm. whole a whole segment on how Google has has uh, demonetized and uh, mm. and uh, and you know only chosen people uh, to find out like six months later. Everything yeah. those people said six months ago are now yeah. allowed to be say because they found out it was correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said something a while ago in, in, when I was promoting this book, uh, starting to promote it as a pre-order. Was you know we went from a time where he who controlled the the money controls the world, but now it's 
he who controls the algorithm controls the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're sort of at at the moment. So we've got Google controlling, as you said, as we've discussed, you know, the narrative of where our head should be following the windscreen wiper. But we're not really, <clears throat> you know, thinking clearly. We're, our mind is polluted with the algorithm. It's polluted yeah. with, uh, you know, the way Google wants us to think. And so, you know, there's many conspiracies behind that. A lot of people t- point to George Soros and, you know, we, there's a lot of, there's a big rabbit hole there. But nevertheless, doesn't matter if it is a conspiracy, it's a fact in the sense that they're controlling the algorithm and they shut certain people down, certain narratives that don't suit their own political ideology. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, what do, what do we do about that? And I've, and I've said for a long, long time that I feel that social media companies and that should be regulated. I don't think that they should have, like, because every other industry is regulated, right? Why do they, why are they, suddenly up on a pedestal where they can escape all sorts of you know uh, retribution for for their actions you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and, and by the way thank you everyone who's, who's joining us uh jennifer uh richard appreciate it darren thank you so much for thank joining you. thanks everyone and then uh some people i, I stream doesn't even allow me to see some names uh, uh but uh, some great comments here thank you all for joining and, and and if anyone has a, a, a any questions throw them in here i have a question for you so so you you are someone who well, we've talked about youtube you utilize youtube you put yeah. documentaries on youtube uh you're one of the most prolific youtubers i've seen uh, maybe that's because I pay attention to you and, and, and I see it. You have a Patreon <laughs> yeah. channel, you know, your Patreon, I don't know, you have, um, you have your podcast, you, you put all this content out, you have your books and you rely on social media and digital tools to promote them. Yep. And so I do too, you know, yeah. 90% of my income comes or probably more from LinkedIn. Yep. Um, what are some concrete ways short of everyone going on a, on a, 100% digital free fast, which, mm-hmm. which not even you have done. I mean, you don't have a smartphone. No. What are some concrete steps that someone can take to move in the direction of uh, gaining back their spiritual freedom, unplugging from the algorithm, uh, and utilizing the tools without being having those tools use them? Exactly. Well, you mentioned it. the first one of the first things. I mean, if it's possible for people, is to probably get off the smartphone because then, it, I mean, you can then utilize the technology that you have at yet. Like I utilize obviously computers and laptops to you know edit and film and have this conversation. You know, I've got a camera here and in the studio, and so utilizing it and, and it allows me actually to zero in on the content that I make a lot better. Instead of I, I know people actually who edit on their phones and stuff, which I think would be a bit difficult, but yeah, um, and and doing I can't promotion, do that. And that, yeah. I got no, fat too thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they would do that. You know, so that would be one of the first things. Well, you don't have to get rid of your smartphone, right? But at least get rid of the apps on the smartphone and zero in on, you know, what is it that you want? You know, in, in your space, you know, you talk a lot about entrepreneurship. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, I don't really class myself as an entrepreneur, but I guess someone would probably say I am because I create all this content and, and make an income from it is, you know, zero in on what it is that you really want. So, like, what do you want to create? Okay, I want to create, you know, a, a business strategy for to help people, you know, get better in business. Okay, we'll zero in on that and, and block out all the other noise. 
you don't really need a phone for that. You don't need to be engaged overly with that. And so utilize the, the, the older technology to enhance the more recent technology. And so I, I know a lot of people watch my videos on their phones and like, you know, that's all well and good. You know, as I mentioned in the book, Kurt, I, I'm, it's not like a total destruction of digital technology. I talk about the benefits of technology and how we just got to be able to live better with it. Like I, 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 I use, for example, in, I always talk about India because I've lived in India before, but in India, like in some uh, poorer village, one of the boys has a, um, a smartphone. So they can watch my videos and and your podcast. So it's beneficial for them to learn things like that, right? Like they don't have access to a lot of, you know, uh, information or libraries and this and that. So they don't have that access. So uh, getting back to your question is um, first getting getting rid of the smartphone, right? Um, don't engage with. Uh, don't overly engage with the digital world. Like reduce your connectivity. And this is a big problem that I had when I first started the YouTube channel was I was trying to reply to every comment and and then it, it becomes too much. You end up then like for hours on end, mm. you're replying to people and, you know, it, it's, you know, you don't really have to, right? So reducing your connectivity online, like in your space, but focusing on the work itself in the space as opposed to the upkeep of the space. Uh, and um, it comes back to the fundamentals as well, what we were talking about, like get get a lot of sleep, uh, focus on meditation, get daily exercise, concentrate on nutrition. Um, and, you know, again, zeroing in on what you really want to get out of this. I mean, the, the digital space is actually a beautiful thing, like because people can engage with, in, in our conversation now, right? It's wonderful. Like, wasn't possible... 15 years ago, if you can imagine, just 15 years ago, you and I having this conversation was, right. I mean, we could do it, we could do it on Skype, possibly, you know, the old version of Skype, yeah. but, you know, but we couldn't be having a group chat where you record it, you're going to upload it later. Um, and so this is a wonderful thing. And, and, and this is how we actually should utilize digital technology. So I think someone wrote a comment on my YouTube channel saying, your channel is what the internet is meant for. Mm. And so I think you, you've got to get into that space of what, what would you like to provide in this space? Because all we see are people arguing, as we've talked about for the last hour, arguing, fighting, you know, causing intentional drama online. What, do, what would you like to provide and how would you like to leave the world when, when you eventually die? Because what you're going to provide here in this space is going to contribute to, the, to something much bigger you know, eventually, like you're a piece of the puzzle. So, you know, embrace your piece and, and make sure you are putting out the best damn content possible that you can, that's going to contribute to the health and sanity of humanity. Because yeah. the way that the other tech companies and the way that a lot of content creators are going about is they're not contributing to the health and sanity of humanity. So uh, that's got to be your, your focus. You've got to really you know, it sounds like a cliche, but you got to be a better person to engage with this. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to be another one of the the crowd that create drama content that may make you rich, but it will it you your conscience will feel very heavy because you're contributing more to you know drama and and, and unnecessary things in this, in yeah. this landscape. 
Yeah, I've I've noticed. You know, take you you mentioned taking taking things off your smartphone, or you don't even have a smartphone, and just making it that much more difficult. Yeah, it's like for instance, um, I'll watch some of your videos on my TV. We have YouTube on the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you don't want to become addicted to the TV. Like Netflix, no. the, the founder of Netflix said their competitor isn't anyone else. Their competitor is your sleep. He actually said that. Yeah, right? he said that. I heard that. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> now he said that at a time before Disney Plus and yeah. Amazon Prime and all that. So now he's got competitors. But if mm. you make it just a little more difficult, like mm. your laptop, you know, it's not the type of thing where, and I go through phases where, and there's some apps that, you know, there's one called Freedom, freedom.to. If you go there, you can actually lock down your computer and your phones during mm. certain hours. Because I assume mm. you have certain hours. I, I know that you're big into time blocking. You write about that yep. in um, Effortless Living. Yep. Um, and you time block. I'm sure there's time blocks where, and, and I can tell this, right? I, I know that if I send you a message, you'll respond to it between these two hours, but then you're not online. Yeah, go on, yeah. The rest of the time, right? So you you just you use the tools and then you get the hell out. <laughs> get the hell out. Yeah, yeah. Time blocking is a big, big one, especially if you want to be productive and and more successful, really. Like because, and I and I'll use time blocking for anything. Like if I'm writing books or if even you and I having this conversation now, like I mainly do interviews Friday morning for me this in Brisbane time, which is Thursday night for yourself. And this is the same time that you and I had the conversation last time because like yeah. I, have, I have the first four days of the week where I bang out a lot of work, maybe create video content, this and that. And usually it's in the morning. So around from eight to 12 to one o'clock, I'll be constantly working and then have my first meal at around one o'clock of, of the day, right? And then after that, then I'll check the emails, then I'll check social media, I'll check the things that, you know, are secondary to actually the content. Yeah. So, and and I don't mean that in in a negative way for people emailing me and so forth and so on. Like I, I appreciate that, and and you have to keep con- connected. But if I'm not making content, who's going to want to email me anyway? So, right. you know, right. <laughs> so uh, that's secondary. So, but that's after lunch, you know. So like that's at like two o'clock to like four three, where I might catch up with emails or check the YouTube comments. I'll write an email to you and then my wife's home by that time and then night times for – that's our time, you know. So, like, we don't really uh, – you know, obviously Facebook and all of that, that's not on. If it's on – if I have it on, it means I'm doing something unique for, for that period of time, you know. Uh, for example, like digital sunsets, I try to follow digital sunsets as much as possible. So, turn all screens off at around 6 o'clock. But there are some times, you know, where I might have to – be online a bit later. You don't want to make it like so dogmatic, but you also don't want to be too loose with it as well. And I like what you said with accessibility. Like if you have t- too many things and it's too accessible, you're going to, it's like having candy in front of a kid. You, you're going to, you're going to pick that phone up. You know, you're going to do it and you're going to check that email. You're going to check that, that last post you sent out. So make it more difficult. And actually this is a good thing. Uh, even for myself, where I was actually too accessible for people online. There were some years there where I was far too accessible. And it actually wears you out psychologically, like where you yeah. need to actually, you need to create a little bit of distance. And that, and I'm not saying that from a, from a sense of arrogance. It just in, in a way of trying to manage your energy systems, 
You know, like if you're constantly giving, 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 you're going to burn yourself out. So you need to take some time for yourself and and that allows your output actually to be more on point and 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 pure as opposed to being because that, that can train you to be a bit scattered as well you know like you're a bit scattered all over the place you're you're comment you're replying here you're trying to work you're replying there you're picking up your phone i mean it's it looks like not even controlled chaos it just looks like pure chaos yeah so yeah and you know, that's what I try to tell people. Try not, I like what you said, like not make it accessible. Make it difficult for you to check your email. Make it difficult. Like if you're working online, don't have the tabs online. Don't have all your tabs there. Like don't sign into your, your Hotmail where you'll see the notification pop up and, and these things. Zero in on the work. Like time blocking is the best thing, I, I, you know, and, and, and so that allows you to, to uh, go into deep work, to, to use Cal Newport's terminology you know so if you want to create valuable work you need to do that if you want to create tiktok then you can do that you know you can you can just have a lot of scattered things because tiktok is not really like a a, a valuable i don't even, i don't know what to say i don't want to really criticize it too much but you know a minute long anything is not really valuable content right like it's it's not I, I'm still a big proponent of long-form content, so like reading yeah. books, podcasts like yours. I think that TikTok and these sorts of platforms are contributing to waning attention spans and waning intelligence, and, and I don't think that's beneficial at all it's for anyone, you know. So, yeah, some people will be like, you know, we go, we, we're over an hour now, and a couple of weeks ago, I when someone commented, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I listened to half of it; it was just too long, and it's like, all right, well. You know, it's what is it? I've seen a statistic: the the human uh, attention span is less now than that of a goldfish. It's like seven yep. or eight seconds. You yep. wonder why, but mm. you also look at there's a market for it. Your your content gets a ton of engagement. On mm. on, I mean, you've shared on our last podcast. Any time that you shared one of our things on Instagram, mm. the podcast numbers just blew up. Mm. Mm. Um, there's a market for it. And if there that's is. not if that's not your cup of tea, you can move on. It, not you, but but other people. Joe yeah, Rogan yeah. has three and a half hour podcast. He's got more viewers and listeners than all of the cable or even I think network news combined, yeah, yeah. which is why they're freaking out. So there yeah. is a market for it. If you want to listen yeah. to the eight second stuff, go do that. You know, but <laughs> but I think it's positive, isn't it, Kurt? Like when you think about, it, like if you look at someone like Joe Rogan who averages something like eleven million a, an episode which you know far outweighs anything that network tv or cable tv are doing then that says that there's still a lot of people in the world who appreciate more of the longer form content and think more like in an analog way they're not their mind is not trained in a digital way they they want to learn cuz fundamentally in our cognition we learn in a slow manner it's hard to learn something really quick you know like if you if you watch a a, a a 60 second TikTok video about learning business. You're not going to learn much. You need to go to, you know, you need to go to a lecture. You need to read books to really let that marinate in, in your skull. And so that's really a good thing though, right? Like it, that, that gives me hope that there's still a lot of people out there who want the long form content, even though we've got these shorter forms coming in. And this is why I mentioned part of the reason why I mentioned uh, meditation in this book because if you if you have a focused meditation practice 
And as you said, with the seven second, you know, we're, 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 we're beneath goldfish now. So because we're beneath goldfish, we need to, uh, in some sense, retrain our brain to think more, to uh, be more natural as it, as it was supposed to be, right? Like our mind is not naturally jittery. It's not naturally uh, agitated and active. It's, it's, it's much more of a slower thought process. But what happens is because of socialization, because I mentioned the way that parents put the, their iPad in front of their two-year-old, you're training the kid's cognition to think quick with, mm-hmm. with an inability to pause and, and think slowly about something to, to come to a, a precise conclusion. You know, A lot of people will criticize you know, uh, Elon Musk. I remember when he first went on Joe Rogan and, and Joe would ask him a question and Elon would just sit there. It's like, well, today, tomorrow, you're going to answer this? Like, but he's a, he's a well-thought-out guy, you know, and hence, hence his success. And me- what meditation does is it slows those brain waves down, that jitteriness, and it may – there will be – especially if, you're used, if you've become used to checking your phone all the time, there will be a pressure in your head to, to, to be active. That's just because you've trained it that way. That's the what they call in Sanskrit the vrittis, the mental activity. So once you've trained your mind to think a certain way, you're at this speed and you feel comfortable in that speed because that's what you've put the car at. You've put it in that gear. And it's like, no, no, you've got to put it back into neutral and just glide, you know? And and it, it, it it's uncomfortable at the beginning. But once you practice meditation for long periods of time, for years, then you get to this period where your mind is more cal- is more calculated. You think clearly. You see things a lot better. You know this personally, Kurt, from practice. I know that you you, you practice meditation. You practice qigong and, and these sorts of practices. Once you focus more on your the, the, your your mind's own development, then you'll you'll see you'll reap the rewards. And this is beneficial in any field. Doesn't matter if it's business or philosophy. What I what I teach. You could be a garbage man and you could be the best damn garbage man in the town because your your brainwaves are not all over the shop. You're not looking at your phone worried about the Russians and, and this and that. You know, you'll focus more on yourself. But you're actually it's funny, once you start to to downregulate that that activity in your mind, you're actually not then attracted to picking up the phone. You're not you're not you don't have the urge to go, oh, I'm gonna go and check my email. It doesn't come to you. You'll check it when you're good and ready. You won't check it because there's a behavioral addiction there going, you know, I think maybe Kurt wrote to you, you know, maybe. And it's like, no, he didn't. He's sleeping. Like it's, you know, it's four in the afternoon my time. So, you know. Right. And, right. and, and that's why I'm a big proponent, obviously, of meditation is that if, if we can just slow the way we think down, if we can slow our thoughts down, we can downregulate that constant jitteriness and that activity in our mind then we'll, contri- we'll be good contributors to the world. The, the content you will create will be more pure, more on point, more authentic to yourself as well because you won't be affected by a lot of the noise in the external world. And so you see this with a lot of creators, right? They're, they're affected by a lot of noise in the external world. So then you can see that they've been influenced by a certain problem in the world or, or something that's happened in the world because they start to talk about it in their creation. And it's like, no, but what were you just going to say without all of this, this noise? I want to, I want to know who you are authentically. And, you know, back in our time, you and the eighties, Kurt, uh, we're getting back there, but 
um, there was a lot. We didn't have a problem with the the cult of personality, for example. Like we were okay with people being themselves, and I think that's the problem、mm. in this day and age, particularly with digital media. We have this mentality of one size fits all. So, Kurt, you should be like this, and it's like, well, based on why I should be like this. Well, what's acceptable? And it's like, but that's not who I am. That's that's the status quo, and that's also what. The politically correct narrative is of the of the time, yeah. So, and as we know, the biggest innovators in the world, the biggest people who have contributed to knowledge and wisdom, have always been the ones who have been on the outside, been beyond the border, as I say in the, in my book, and and being comfortable living beyond the border. And so, you know, I I think people need to really lean into their authenticity instead of being kind of. Self censorship is a terrible thing, right? Once we start to self censor ourselves, then we're not allowing our true creativity to come forward, and that's what political correctness does. That's what these narratives online do. You start to self censor yourself, and once you recognise yourself self censoring yourself, then that's when you need to really pause and reflect and go, "Wait up! I'm, I'm starting to behave the same way as what Google want me to behave." Mm. But is but is that going to help the world, or is that just going to contribute to more madness? And we know the answer to that. It's only going to contribute to more madness and more hypnosis. So, you and I doing、yeah. this, we couldn't be doing this either of us if we weren't、uh, afraid to be ourselves. And so that's what I always tell people: don't be afraid to be yourself. Like it's, you know, but then you need to really nut down what yourself is. Because a、yeah. lot of people will say, "Oh, but my personality is like this," and it's like, "No, but you, you've been sort of socialized in that sense to think like that. Who truly are you? Like, get back to strip that away, strip that away. I need to see your real characteristic come forward. And you see this actually in sport.、Yeah. Like I mentioned, in emotional intuition for peak performance, the best coaches all around the world are the ones who don't have a one size fits all philosophy. They try to get to know the person. Who they truly are, their character, their personality, and try to blend that in with the team、mm-hmm. dynamic. And most successful teams are the ones who who do that. The one、yeah. size fit the one size fit all philosophy never works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we have enough programming, right, that we pick up over our lives that it's tough enough to wade through the illusion of personality and identity. But、yep. now, on top of that programming, we have the minute by minute. Programming of tribalism and the、uh, cause du jour that we apply on top of it, and and then it's it's、yeah. like an extra five layers of crap to、yeah. get to who you really are, and、um, you know you're more than your pronouns or your your even your sports team. You're more than you know, and it's it's.、Uh, It's hard like, enough. Digital, it's, the digital yeah, it's gonna, noise makes it harder. <laughs> yeah, the layers are getting thicker and thicker because of the digital noise. Like the 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 idea of identity politics in 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 relation to Eastern philosophy is complete nonsense, as you know, because you've studied Eastern philosophy enough. If you're overly identifying with this and too many things, then you are the stereotypical description of a insecure person because you're not、uh, free and comfortable to stand on your own two feet. And I've actually,、uh, particularly with writing books, I've really noticed in the last 
12 years that I've been writing books. When I wrote Way of the Weirdo way back then, and as you know, in that book, I speak about identity as well and, and downregulating that as well. Back when I got that published in the US back then, it was everyone was, yeah, man, awesome. This is a great book. And there was no, from the publisher, there was no, um, no problem at all, right? Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and you know, recently I, I just completed a book at the end of last year about Taoism, which is not published yet. And there's one big publisher in America who were interested in the book. I won't mention their name. And then because I speak so much about identity and mm. ideology from the Taoist perspective and I unpack it and, I, and you know, go into the psychological aspects of it, but then once they, you know, they were really good when they read up until a certain part of the book. And then once that element of the book came into it, they were just like, uh, no, no, not for us. Like, And it's like, well, you just led me on for two months. You wasted my time because I could have went to other publishers and I could have shopped it there. Uh, but see, that's the changing dynamic because of the digital narrative, right? Like the identity politics, the, the like you said, these extra layers that are, there's many extra layers even since 2010 when I started publishing books. So it's crazy. It's really crazy. And that's why more now than ever, Eastern philosophy, spirituality is is really important. As you know from studying Taoism and Wu Wei and, and allowing life to happen and, and working on the identity, what is truly yourself? Am I American? Am I, am I this skin color? Am I this gender I believe I am or are these just uh, you know associative phenomenon that I, that I've gained through socialization yeah. and we all know the answer to that but a lot of people who are so invested into their identity don't want to let go of certain things so it's not identity itself that's really the problem it's the belief in the identity see you believe you're this identity I can be look I know that from a certain level I am Australian I have a certain skin color. I am male, but that doesn't dev- define who I am truly within. It's just something that I've, I didn't ask to look like this and be born on this land and speak right. and sound a certain way. It's just the way it unfolded. That's the Tao. It's a happening. It's an eternal becoming. And so we get confused with this eternal becoming and then we try to define ourselves and we forget that we're all part of actually one consciousness fundamentally. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like we identify with the localization of consciousness. I am this equipment. And it's like, well, you are and you aren't. You know, fundamentally, you are for this short period of time of your life, which, you know, if you're lucky, you get to 100. But, I mean, 100 years in comparison to the the age of the universe, I mean, I wouldn't get too carried away with yourself there, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to explain to my kids, you know, we we talk about these things and, and we'll watch a, I love a, a good campfire and I, and I love watching and I explain it to, you know, you watch the wood burn mm. and the wood is the fuel and the, and the fire burns and then it's smoke. Well, does the wood really disappear? Does it go away? No, it just turns into a different form of energy. Mm-hmm. And I explain that to my kids in terms of the, the format, the, you know, that's like the, the, the wood identifying by the bark. Mm. Well, no. And, and, it was a tree and there was and now it's smoke and and the format of it changed but right and it can yeah, be the same yeah, thing with, it, with adults you know it, it, or with adults with with any human with any human um, yeah. 
And it's hard you're to track, tra- but you, you know. You're transforming as, as we speak, Kurt. We are transforming. You and I are transforming psychologically, physically. And even when we die, we become something else and we become part of something else. And, you know, like there's, there's, it, there's a holistic perspective of the world that particularly in the West, we can't see. What you said was very Taoist, right? Like the wood, it's the bark does, is not saying I'm bark and, you know, the smoke then doesn't say I'm smoke. It's all a, a, a holistic integrated process. It's, yeah. not, it's not a linear one step at a time thing. It's which, you know, in the West, we have this concept, right? You're dead. That's it. Finito. He's in the ground. He's in a box. It's over. And it's like, not really. Like, even if you want to think about it on a very mundane level, the memory of that person is living on within you. And then you're going to tell that story about that person that's going to live on with someone else. You know, like, so that's a very mundane way to, of thinking about it for those who don't believe in that sort of, uh, sort of metaphysics of transforming into, you know, the, you know, the caterpillar transforming into a butterfly, for example. But that's what life is. It's a constant transformation into a butterfly. And this is where, you know, the different ways of thinking clash where, you know, in the East, you have this holistic way of thinking. In Taoism, you have the, the five elements theory where everything is related and connected. Uh, but then you go into the West and it's, it's very logical, it's linear. And look, there's, there's a place for that because that's what leads into science and science has given us certain things, right? But if we look at uh, Western medicine as opposed to, say, traditional Chinese medicine, is that Western medicine is good for... Uh, targeting a broken bone for example but when it's a psychosomatic problem that is difficult to understand you're having this sort of a reaction in your body and your mind this is where traditional chinese medicine can benefit because it works on the subtle level mm. it works on you know the meridians and you know the acupuncturists know this and but it's but we need to understand then at a holistic level so yeah. You know, cancer is the best example, right? If someone has cancer, they get chemotherapy. It attacks the cancer, but it just kills everything else. And then, you know, that's why a lot of people sometimes, unfortunately, die after radiation and and chemotherapy. But like in the East, it's more of like, oh, okay, he's got something wrong with his wrist here. So we better look at his his left lower back. And it's like, well, how does that make sense? But then once you get the treatment, then you understand that's all, the kinetic chain is all connected. Yeah. And so we are part of a universal kinetic chain and that's what people need to understand, you know? Well, Jason, I want to really thank you for coming on the show today. It's been fascinating. And now as it, as we record this, it's March 24th here in the U S is it official now? Well, by this will air next week. So by the time this airs, the book is not only just, it's out, right? It's launched. It's It's not just pre-order. Well, it's launched actually 20, 25th tomorrow in the UK. Okay. Uh, And, April Fool's Day in America. In America, okay. Well, April, April one. Yeah, yeah. There you so. go. Well, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It is April one, but <laughs> I think uh, you know it just updated. I think I'm getting my book here like Monday. It said from Amazon. Yeah. Yep. The actual um, official uh, official launch, yeah, well, is is like this week. But uh, people have been starting to get their books. I've actually had someone or who's cool. who's already read it who emailed me. So cool. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what people think. And it's a little bit of a, uh, a step away from my normal books, but I, it was, it, sorry to, to go on a bit, but it's, nope. it's just, it's been something that's been really gnawing at me since about 2013, where I wrote a few articles about what I was seeing 
in the world, seeing people's heads go down and, you know, and, and the lack of interaction and, and, and then it's kind of been a process since then. So I'm excited to see what people think. Yeah, well, we'll we're going to link to it in the show notes. Uh, the lucky members of the Freedom Circle, not lucky because they chose to be here. The ones who viewed, they're all getting copies of your book. Everyone else, go out and get the book. There's links in the show notes. Jason Gregory, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Kurt. Appreciate it, brother.